You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Today on the Give Your Life Away podcast and specifically the Epistle Project, we come to 1 Corinthians 5, which I believe is one of the passages in the entire Bible that Christians uh, might be surprised that it's even there. I think the contemporary politically correct culture um, maybe hasn't really even thought through this passage. It's a rather shocking passage, and so I want to read it for you and then make some comments. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul writes this, It's actually reported that there is a sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or greedy, or the swindlers, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Again, this is... This is not a politically correct passage today. And so we can either choose to submit to it or to ignore it. And I would recommend that the child of God submits to anything that God says. And so I want to highlight here in this passage six ways that many Christians reject this passage. I want to bring that out for you, flesh that out. Six ways many Christians reject the passage in just a couple minutes here. One, They do not believe that correcting sin is the church's job, and therefore they reject this passage. But according to verse 2, he indicates that the problem is not just the person who's having an immoral relationship with his stepmother, the problem is also with the church. In fact, Paul is rebuking the church in these verses more than even the person. He says, and you, the church, are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. So Paul is, Paul is actually rebuking the church that says this isn't our business. And today, people who, who are aware of sin in the church and don't do anything about it literally say things like, this is not our business. The Bible explicitly argues against that. So that's one. Number two, the other way that churches, one of the other ways churches reject this passage, 
They believe that no sin should ever, ever, ever be made public. Now, I would agree that most sins should not be made public in the church. In fact, Matthew 18 gives us a process, an ongoing, patient process to where sin should be dealt with privately or with a couple of people. But as a last resort, the sin at some point, the, the general idea of the sin, the general uh, nature of the sin should be brought out in public. That's actually a biblical command from the Holy Spirit. He says, Let him who has done this be removed from you. For although absent in body, I am present in spirit. As at present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Notice this. When you, he's talking to the church, when you are assembled. He's talking about a time when the whole church is gathered. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. A lot of people, um, even if they want to hold to some form of church discipline and, and kind of obey this passage, uh, they'll remove people from their church it, privately in a back room. Well, that's not supposed to happen. There's supposed to be a process where hopefully this never needs to happen. But if it does, it happens when the church is assembled together. And by the way, Matthew 18 also says, tell it to the church. In fact, you can go to 1 Timothy 5 and look at when this has to happen with an elder in the church. And also there, it's told to be made public so that the rest of the church would be afraid of sinning. So three times in the three definitive passages on church discipline, we're told to make it public. There's a time for that. Most sins should not be made public, but if there is a time when a sin is destroying the church and people have gone through a slow and patient process, a loving process of calling that person to repentance, at some time, if they don't repent, it needs to be told to the church. But people today often do not want to obey the scriptures. Politically correct environments are more important than the word of God. A fourth way that people do not want to reply to, or respond to this passage or, or actually reject this passage. They say that this is unloving. And verse 5 would say otherwise. It sounds like it's unloving at the beginning. You're to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Well, that seems like a harsh thing, letting this man go into the hands of Satan. But notice the end of verse 5 so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. The goal here is this person's salvation. The goal here is restoration to God and to the family of God. If you want a picture of this, you can see Luke 15. The prodigal was, in a sense, in the hands of Satan. He was, he was doing what he wanted, and that's exactly what, what Satan wanted. Satan was the one directing his paths. And what happened under Satan's rule? Well, his flesh was destroyed. He was depressed, he was sad, he was guilty, he was broken. And then what did he do? He came back to his father. And that's a picture of salvation. So this is not a harsh thing. This is not a harsh reality. So when people say, if you actually follow the Bible and do these things, that's very unloving. I would argue the exact opposite. That is loving. You're handing them over to the consequences of their sin in, and praying that they would come to their senses after being so battered under Satan's rule under which they, they, they want to operate, that they would be so battered under his rule that their soul would be saved as they come back to Christ or maybe come to Christ for the first time. So no, this is not unloving to obey 1 Corinthians 5. In fact, the opposite is true. Number five, sin in the body will not affect us. 
People reject this passage by assuming that sin can go on in the body. It's not my deal. It's not my problem. I'm not the one doing this. But sin in the body does affect a congregation. And we see that uh, Paul is telling them to cleanse out the, the old leaven because it's going to affect you. If there's a little old leaven, then the new leaven is uh, infected. And that's why he calls them arrogant. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? The, the church in Corinth was boasting because they thought, uh, people can be sexually immoral in this church and it won't affect me. No, wrong, it will. And, and if you've been around uh, sinners, if you've been around children, <laughs> if you've been around people, they see other people doing something and getting away with it, and they assume that they can do something in similar fashion and get away with it. That happens in the church. And so uh, to, to assume that sin will not affect me is a way of disagreeing with this passage and disagreeing with God. Finally, you hear this often, I am not that person's judge. And God says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13, yes, you are. We are to, in that sense, judge one another. And this is not the judgment of the world. This is not a judgment that says you are sinning, therefore you are going to hell, and I levy that judgment on you. That's not the type of judgment we're talking about. This is a type of evaluation where we go to a brother and sister in Christ out of love, out of a desire to see them repent and come back to Christ, be restored to Christ, and we go to them and we say, what you're doing is wrong, we're here to help. That's a positive judgment. And so when people quote the first part of Matthew 7, do not judge lest you be judged, they fail to read the second part of it that talks about the way to humbly repent of your own sin and respond to your own shortcomings before you then go to remove the speck in your brother's eye. They only quote the first part. Here, they say that no Christian should ever judge one another. Paul actually argues the exact opposite. And this judgment, just in case there are people out there who love this sort of thing, because I know you're out there, people who love to take everything into their own hands. This is to be done in a slow, methodical, loving way. There's a process to it. The goal is restoration, not you being the ultimate judge of their lives. You're not. But God has made you an instrument in their sanctification for a time. But to say that we're not responsible or we have, we have nothing to do with somebody's sin in the body is completely wrong according to 1 Corinthians 5, 12-13. So, one of the reasons I like going through this epistle project is because I think we're going to be confronted with a lot of passages that I think many today are embarrassed of, don't want to obey, but isn't it good to go through the Bible and to say, Lord, you speak to us, and you give us the heart to obey you like you call us to. I think that's the call for the believer, to obey the scriptures because they trust the God who wrote the scriptures. Hope you have... I hope you're enjoying the Give Your Life Away podcast and the Epistle Project and that your eyes are maybe being opened up in new ways um, to what the Bible actually says. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.